0: Of our lives inside. Either in traffic at work or close eyes. How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Work Wherever podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about AI, automation, the ability to work wherever so you can live every day like it is Saturday. And if you're a fan of Sydney, uh, Sydney's not here today, but I do have good news. I have a a better guest than Sydney, although the Sydney fans are scoffing at me right now. But I have a Microsoft MVP, and we're going to talk about remote work because why wouldn't we here on the work wherever podcast and we're going to talk a lot about the new technologies out of microsoft obviously we're talking microsoft 365 because that's the world that i come from and the guest that i have on today has a very similar background to myself in sharepoint development that has turned into this co-pilot power apps total ecosphere of uh, Microsoft 365 collaboration, he is an MVP. I am not. But welcome on in, Mr. Richard Harbridge. Hey, Richard.
1: Pleasure, pleasure to be here. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, uh, working remotely and I- enjoying it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why, why? Why not? Who likes to sit in traffic? Right. That's, that's like the worst place to be. I've had to leave my house like four of the last five days, and it's just miserable. I don't know how people it's do it. A,
1: Audiobooks make it a little bit easier, but yeah, absolutely, it's not uh, not the best experience.
0: I do listen. I've listened to a ton of audiobooks. I have Audible. I've listened to like four or five books.
1: They're great. Are you a? Uh, uh, I'm like a. I'm a weird three X speed person. I'm not joking. Like whatever. Yeah. I think that's the max it always goes to, and I wish there was like a four X because yeah, it just. Uh,
0: I listened so. to the uh, Harmony book, The Hundred Million Dollar Leads, on three X. Yeah. Because he he talks slow, I feel like in general. So I was like, speed. I need to speed. And then there was, uh, yeah, I listen. To, yeah, we're, we're right there, man. Whenever I'm listening to videos, I need to speed it up. You know, get to Love the it. point, or I start skipping around and then I get myself lost. That's
1: never <laughs> everyone's happened. gonna watch ours and be like, okay, let me put this at
0: uh, <laughs> right. We're yeah. gonna speed this one up, right? <laughs> so Richard, you're a Microsoft MVP. You're the chief technology officer at Two to Lead. And this bio says that you're internationally recognized expert in Microsoft 365 and SharePoint collaboration. So congratulations on the accolades.
1: Hey, I wrote some books and people invite me to do keynotes and seem to like what I say. So that's, I think that's all that really happens there.
0: Yeah, which I'm one of them. I was I met you at the shift Happen conference um, here in DC, and you were speaking on Viva Engage, I believe, and how to use Copilot in Viva Engage. And I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I feel like... I feel like we're of the same mind and brain. So, for those of who are listening who are not familiar with Viva Engage, and maybe they understand it by something called Yammer. But can you just kind of give me a summary, real quick, of of Viva Engage and and uh, the thought process behind the the rebrand and release?
1: Yeah. So basically, um, in most organizations today, uh, you know, there's a need to connect in communities outside your working group. And so when you have that need, one of the solutions that is in the marketplace that's really highly adopted, it's actually, um, they don't share the official numbers, I think publicly, but it's really, really high up there and it's one of the top used uh, apps on a daily basis, um, is Viva Engage, which uh, was the Yammer acquisition and then evolved eventually to be a really integrated solution set. What stands out a little bit about Viva Engage is it's integrated with things like Outlook. So you can actually post to your storylines and other things. You can react, you know, like, comment, reply, all that from Outlook, um, which is a pretty big differentiated benefit because it's all embedded in that. And as someone who loves Outlook, I, I appreciate that capability set a lot. And then the other thing that it has is it has sort of two core Uh, use cases. So the community piece, you know, connecting with people outside your working group, learning, sharing, amplifying ideas. Um, And then the other one is this idea of a storyline, which is a way for people to express their opinions, ideas, um, perspectives, and to share um, some people are capital L leaders where they get like um, additional features um, that you would pay for a premium and then they would get like, ask me anything events they could host. They could have, you know, automatic followers. Like, so, you know, your sales leader and your sales group automatically follows you. So there's some stuff like that that you pay a premium for. It's quite, quite cost effective. Um, and then you essentially have everyone else who just has the ability to create rich video uh, articles, um, posts, all sorts of content, you know, through their storyline.
0: So, what would be the difference between, and you know, I I know this, but I want to hear you say it because I want to make sure that we're aligned here. But the what would you say the biggest difference between even Gager or, or formerly Yammer and Microsoft Teams? Like, why would I use? that. So there's this,
1: uh, there's this narrative that they used for ages called loops. So you kind of have like your inner loop. That's like your core working team, uh, shared circle of trust people you see all the time. Um, You know them, uh, at least in some way, working capacity. And then sometimes you have questions or you have scenarios where you want to connect with it. Outside your working group, it's good. It's a healthy thing. Uh, even if you're remote, it's really important actually to create connections uh, and, and uh, you know understanding outside of your working groups. So you use communities and be engaged for that. So if if you have loops, you know, kind of rings. You know, as you get further out, you get into Viva Engage territory. Um, and as you get closer together, you get to Microsoft Teams territory. Now, Teams technically can scale to large Teams, and there's good reasons for that. But that's actually a team scenario. You're actually meant like it's high velocity. People kind of know each other. Um, community stuff is is very different. Like the way the notification systems work, the way um, the flow of information works is is quite a bit different. It's all about uh, being able to find things later. So there's a lot of things in topics and tagging and concepts like that in Viva Engage that isn't really in Teams. Um, for a good reason. And this is the purpose of the platform. So, uh, you know, most organizations that have larger employee counts, 300 plus, they're pretty much all um, should have Viva Engage if they don't. And then if you're smaller than that, my suggestion is always, of course, you should have a few communities like baseline communities, but it's really about questions and answers and key concepts that are in Viva Engage that don't exist anywhere else in the organization today. And that's like, I have a question uh, that I'm asking. I don't know who to ask it to have a Q&A community, right? A- and a small organization. Great use case if you're not used to viva engage you're not sure how to roll it out start just having a q a community and then that becomes this awesome place to start to facilitate conversations that just don't have a home anywhere else right as an example
0: yeah no i I love that there there is everybody gets kind of annoyed by the amount of pings and notifications that microsoft teams can give you so uh, we've had a lot of customers and clients that we have will come and be like well i want a community where I can post announcements or I can post information, and I won't get spammed with everyone. Everybody's good morning today, right? So, the Viva Engage platform, formerly Yammer, that platform is a little bit more laid back. You know, you can have those water cooler talks conversations. Whereas, to your point, where you're saying that are working remotely, the the water cooler was a lot where a lot of people just that was where they had their friends. Is yeah. They're working friends. And so how do you replicate that in a remote scenario? And Viva Engage is definitely trying to plug that gap a little bit.
1: Yeah, there's two there's two patterns that are pretty active. First, I just want to note um, you can use it in a more traditional communication pattern. Um, and there are lots of comms teams that you use Viva Engage. Like, there's this concept of like an authoritative community where you know only these people, their owners, can actually create posts. Everyone can reply, but like it's it's much more top down um, from a design philosophy. Um, you know, you can have obviously private public groups. Um, you know, we talked about leaders. So there's there is like you can even override people's notification preferences. There's a lot of stuff in the enterprise space. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. You can do a lot where you don't use it in that, you know, uh, open way that we're describing. Um, and some organizations prefer that. But what I will say is, you know, the big changes that we've seen is that storylines has changed how people work. One of the big gaps we have outside of meetings is that it's hard for people to connect with one another. And so uh, a, a practice that kind of really permeated um, during the pandemic was um, you could message me like we're working together. And then I want to like acknowledge your good work but I'm just going to send you instead of like a little message of saying, Hey, awesome job on that call or whatever you did. I I would record like a little snippet, a little video snippet. Um, it's been in teams for a long time. And I would say, Hey, amazing job on that thing. And I do this little, you know, like directly to you. And it's, it is matter to me because I, I care. I really appreciate what you did. So I share that little video snippet. Maybe I put it in a bonus platform or something like that we do internally, but I'll share that to you. And then What is surprising is as I started to do that, my own staff would sometimes share a video back and then I would feel more connected because they're like, well, thanks. It was only possible because like and even though those are just messages we could have sent to each other, the video format makes it feel different. Right. And so one of the things that we've learned in Viva Engage with storylines is that people, when they use video, Um, are actually satisfying some of those water cooler needs a little bit better because they're like doing these little videos of like, hey, what's going on here? And then people are commenting, not the video like post, but the comments can have videos in them as well. And you see, again, challenge yourself the next time you're in, if you're using these tools, you know, could I write this as a little video instead? Because it's not that scary, um, especially because you have ClipChamp and all these editing tools built in the platform now, uh, since Microsoft acquired that company, like just use it and then post a little video and you'd be surprised sometimes at like how it feels different, right? The nature of that, uh, you know, little connection isn't a little like icon or a little comment. It becomes something a little bit more, um, you know, connecting. Uh, and so there's, there's a little tactical tidbits like that, but, um, you know, I really love the way, uh, you know, video and things like that can make us feel more connected even when we're, you know, working remotely.
0: Yeah. We'll get into that in a second with working remotely and video because I'm a big, obviously, I'm a big believer in remote work and, and we our business is a full remote organization. So I, I'm i a full believer in that it can be done and everybody doesn't have to be in the same place. But keeping with Viva Engage for one second is the conference that we were at, the Shift Happen conference, was heavy on co-pilot. And so yep. co-pilot is the new AI or machine learning or uh, assistant. It's the clippy 3.0 you know whatever you want to call it kind of kind of assistant and i believe is it next month that Copilot is hitting it's, uh,
1: it's november 1st um for uh customers that are 300 seats and above are all enabled and uh have a direct pathway now to purchase and use it and then um uh, i don't think i'm allowed to comment but as soon there's a plan to address the a sub three hundred uh, target customers. Um, they could have done a better job communicating that. Uh, that's all I'll say to that. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's <laughs> been some pushback there. I think very reasonable pushback, but um, but it is technically available for those that are large enough.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so that that makes sense because we we purchased. Well, we have the twenty five seat sales copilot, and I was like, oh man, I saw Richards' thing. I'm going to go create a post and engage on the using copilot, and I couldn't do it. And I'm like. Oh man, like what's going on here? So, so I just viva
1: patient. it's like anything, it's always confusing. So the Microsoft Viva suite, it's so like Viva Goals or other things, they have different times so that the copilot experiences are lit up. If you own the Viva license um that empowers like the premium capabilities of that Viva suite, you'll get copilot with that so um there's a different one it's 30 user uh per us 30 us dollars per user per month that is for m365 that's sharepoint you know teams uh exchange outlook um that's things like uh, word powerpoint you know the excel office applications um so that kind of stuff uh, loop all that stuff fits under this like thirty dollars bucket but um, what's nice actually is Microsoft and not just them, but others in the industry are figuring out the right pricing models. So Power Platform or Viva, okay. it's included. And it makes sense because most of the co experiences make it more accessible. You know, the Viva Engage Copilot experiences, most of it is like a lot of us struggle with that blank page. And a lot of the co-pilot experiences are designed to say like, hey, here's a trending conversation. Do you have any input? And I'll help you write, you know, your post on it. I'll help you add images and connect it to questions and answers and other common, you know, popular content around it. So it really facilitates um, getting your voice out there and giving you words to express yourself. Uh, which uh, a lot of people struggle with. So between storylines, making that easier, and then you know things like Copilot being included in that premium for you know capital leaders or leaders that have this premium capability, um, then it uh, it increases the usage, adoption, and a bunch of other things, which again is great for all of us.
0: Yeah, there has been pushback, I guess, in certain circles around AI, the Skynet argument, and sure. uh, it's it's coming for our jobs and everything like that, which. I've used, you know, anyone who's used ChatGPT knows that it's not totally um, 100, it's not coming for our jobs yet, right? So if it if it develops wings and it can talk to itself and then can do other things, then maybe someday. But right now it's an assistant. It's a tool that we can utilize and we can start the conversation, to your point. Whereas what I thought was so cool when you were um, showing the Viva Engage was, if I don't know what to say, I can yeah. kick Copilot and it'll help me get the conversation started. That doesn't mean that I have to post AI, but I can yeah. at least get an idea of how to communicate with my team if I don't even know what to say. If, I don't, if I'm saying, oh, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm having a hard time creating a subject around X, Y, and Z or using the right tonality
1: yeah we we all have different skills right so um some of us like have linguistic backgrounds and have learned how to write academically and effectively and, and literature and all this other stuff and some people don't have that skill and so you know um for a variety of reasons uh you know what? AI essentially does these these co-pilots and these AI agents is they give us access to skills we don't have. They could be technical skills like uh, make a beautiful PowerPoint presentation or something like that, write a meaningful social post or something, uh, and then they could be um, you know writing skills, right, um, and and effective communication skills. And what's interesting is um, you know you, you mentioned the job thing, so I, I want to be, I think. There is real job disruption um, that is sure. happening currently and will continue to happen with uh, post generative AI, and it's going to affect services sector a lot, and that's the majority of the U.S. economy right now. If we look at it from a macro view, it doesn't feel that disruptive because um, you know if you think about it from 1910 or 1912, it's like you know 20 percent, 30 percent of the economy, uh, somewhere in between. I think it's 25 percent was uh, agriculture. Now it's two percent. Mm-hmm. You know, do we feel that? not really today. I'm not saying it didn't have a disruption effect, but like it was a natural transition as automation and things happen in agriculture. You know, if we look at manufacturing, it's 9%, I think is the most 2022 or something like that uh, numbers uh, of the economy, but it was 32% back in, you know, early early, uh, 19, uh, 1912, whatever that was. So if we look at that, right, where did those jobs go? All those, most of those jobs went to professional services and, you know, information work and all this other stuff. And so any major technology change like AI, it changes the landscape. You know, uh, the computer and internet both were major exponential changes. They changed the way we work, the way we deliver, the way we, you know, think of stores and e-commerce, all that stuff changed. But it, it targets some industries and, and types of roles more than others. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing is post-generative AI. We're seeing that impact on these you know, academic skills, um, you know, it, it does eventually devalue some skills, it will, and it will increase um, the capabilities for more people to access those skills without necessarily the same time investments and things like that we need in the past. And we're seeing, you know, 60% productivity gain uh, in MIT and Harvard studies, that's with just GPT 3.5 and four, uh, which is the equivalent of like being enterprise chat. Right, but with Copilot, you see a much more pronounced productivity gain because it uses your data, it uses mm-hmm. your relationships, it has understanding of thousands of app, you know, capabilities uh, inside of those apps. Like I don't even know half these things it can do in Word or PowerPoint, right? And I'm a pretty a savvy PowerPoint and Word user. So what you'll see is there's a um, productivity gain that is significant enough that it means we can produce more. For some companies, that does mean, hey, like, why would I keep growing my staff? Unfortunately. Other companies see it as an opportunity like if humans are in the middle and they're able to produce more and their lowest performers can produce closer to our top performers, which is the big difference, then why wouldn't we just grow? Right? Why would not right. we just take more of the market, do more products, do more diversity uh, of services and, and uh, other things? And I think the companies that are leaning that way are finding greater success. And so, you know, my uh, general feedback is I'm not as worried about the job crisis because I You know, I believe on both sides, you know, the greed of growth uh, is going to offset some of that. And in this short term, some people are going to make decisions they'll probably regret um, letting go some staff when they could have just, you know, used that staff in a better way with AI.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that this is an opportunity for organizations to take a human centric design approach to everything they do and then use this tool to get better, quicker, faster information to their customer base and client base. So they can scale. So now we don't maybe we don't have to necessarily hire a senior level position for for something and we can go a more mid level. So we're actually opening up parts of the job market to other people who are then prompting this this A.I. So I think there's two sides to the coin. Obviously, the companies and I totally agree. I think the companies who are going to start laying people off, um, which we've seen a good bit of that this year for mate for whether it was AI related or not, we saw a lot of sure. layoffs it's in a the bit, tech it's industry. A bit
1: obfuscated, but true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And whether or not that that trend continues into 24 and beyond because of AI, I think is, is still to be seen, but I think at some point people are going to not want to do business with artificial intelligence. And I think that the the pendulum will swing back to so,
1: I don't I don't know about that. Like, like, let's talk about remote work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, In a simpler factor. So of course, we know, um, like, whether we want to admit it or not, uh, digital avatars is a great example, right? So digital avatars, um, 75% of all marketing comms uh, in 2025 will be digital avatar, they'll have a digital avatar component. And that's from like, 2%. And now what I think we're at 20% or something in most numbers now. So there's a huge growth in that category, right? And Think of like what that means, right? An actor or an influencer or, you know, podcast, right? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, these are, these are human to human interactions. But what ends up happening is if, if I or you could actually like get a good mimicry of me and be able to do it for little talk tracks. So like when I speak at a conference, I could have it introduced like, oh, I love this conference, here's why, blah, blah, blah. It's my words, it's still mm-hmm. what I want to say, but it would save me time because I don't have to do a recording, you know, try again and again because I mess up my words or a cat meows in the background or something, right? So in that way, it can speed up uh, the people that are doing this work, but it also means that uh, that our reach is greater, that there's more influence. So expectations will rise but I do think that there's disruption you know, in some of these categories that we're gonna feel. Um, and it'll be really hard to judge whether it's AI or if it's real or not. And that line will get more and more blurry. And I always like to use this word intent. So with remote work, we get this concern and i think it's a real one on authenticity of ai right which i know we we talked about at the event and so this idea is like what does ai really do it just allows you to express your intent and have it be consumed on the other side in a more effective and accurate way right and so if that intent is positive which the nice thing in work in in organizations we assume positive intent right like it's literally how businesses operate. It's the design of the philosophy of business. So you should always assume positive intent internally, because that's how all of our systems uh, for collaboration and everything work. And in that regard, um, it's going to help provide voice to people who don't have it right you know people just like a Hallmark card allows my dad to write something really sweet uh who he would struggle to to write something like that uh you know and I'm like oh why did you write this like I love you thing and I'm like did, did you pick it out like it's not a Garfield mm-hmm. card what's going on are you dying right. <laughs> like so he does that because you know for him it's an easier way to communicate right and it's the same thing here ai is just like the, it's like hallmark cards where it's helping us write better and express our intent but you know there is a very real risk both um in uh, affecting businesses and especially affecting the public, which is negative intent, right? So if someone has malicious or maligned intent, it obviously can amplify those. And that's what all these hard, the hard work that a lot of researchers and and uh, these vendors like Microsoft and others have to tackle is how do we uh, create safety, right? So that um, negative intent can't be uh, greatly supported by these, these tools, um, at least not malicious intent in, in a way that is not so effective for society. And so, you know, social media, could have brought people together more, or can mm. spread us further apart. AI can do the same thing. It can help us express intent and actually bring us closer together as family and friends, and and uh, work work colleagues. Or it can push us further apart, depending on you know how we we uh, use it or misuse it.
0: Yeah, and to your point on the social media aspect with AI, is social media does both. It brings us closer together and it does alienate us and it does have that, um, you know, evil side to it. And then how do we get through that with the artificial intelligence? I guess the, where I'm coming from on that is, and I agree with everything you're saying where I'm coming from is to a Hallmark card. So AI generates a thank you note or a, or a letter or something. And it does have that Hallmark approach, but at some point, I believe that the Hallmark card is not as valuable as a handwritten note or a or a phone call, and I think that at some point the pendulum will swing to where we'll value that human interaction so much more than the artificial intelligence that we could see the importance of greater human interaction. And that's where, to to your point earlier, when you're yeah, where you're looking at these organizations who are like, well, I'm going to scale. Well, okay. Well, hopefully you're scaling for customers. Interaction and customer support to kind of bridge the gap between AI and and um, and the customer. Now it's still to be seen, right? But that's kind of my thought process through that. And so let's it's, let's it, get into. It's hard oh, to say
1: because like there's a lot of evidence that that you know Amazon and other systems like versus like yeah, you went to the store and you knew, you knew the local store owner, right? There's like there's a lot of evidence that our complexity. Uh, And desire for quality of life, whatever you want to classify that Mm -hmm. as will drive us um, a certain direction there. Um, And so that doesn't mean we can't make time for all those things. But, you know, just to, to use a quick example, I think there's a challenge because when we switch to remote work, right, for a lot of people, what ends up happening is instead of having like an hour commuter. God forbid, a couple hours um, Mm -hmm. on each end, you now have like one minute separating you from time with your friends, your pets, your family, you know, your your spouse, whatever it is, your partner. So you have this um, immediate thing. And these people are always going to be the people you choose versus your work where, you know, there are people you work with, right? You choose your work, but you don't choose all the people you work with. And because of that, um, there's always going to be a dynamic there that's challenging And I think during the pandemic, we kind of a lot of leaders incorrectly assumed like, oh, no, we're just as important. And that's not true. Right. Um, And what we want to do is we don't want people to feel work is transactional right? We want people to be engaged, etc. But we also have to be realistic with our expectations on like how far that goes, right? Like, um, just how connected people really will be at work. And so, you know, that's like the difference between, you know, it, mandating people to come to an office and network versus saying like, hey, we're gonna have, you know, uh, effective tools and techniques to keep people connected in internal networks that are remote as those who are you know, physically close to an office and have that ability. So yeah, sorry, I uh, could continue on.
0: No, you're, you're dead on. I totally agree with that. And that, I'm glad you brought us into that segue because that's where I was heading next was the pandemic forced us remotely, whether some people liked it and some people didn't. And I, I assume that you, like me, had already been working remotely in some capacity prior to. And so it wasn't a total culture shock to our industry like it was others. Totally, um, yeah and so that idea that idea that work is done in an office building and i have to see you in your seat and i have to shake your hand in the morning that was like this it was just this what do i do how do i manage my people and and now we're starting to see people say hey we got to go back because business is done in the office and you know it was that full remote we care about you we are mental health and and all that and now it's come on back because you know this is the way that i feel comfortable managing and so I would love your opinion on that to say, you know, yeah. is, is that a, is that a healthy approach? Is it, a, is it an okay approach? Uh, is that I think,
1: you know, of all the areas of employee experience, I think management is the most affected post pandemic, right? Because during pandemic, everyone's flexible with it. We're all doing what we call digital first response, right? So, you know, and no one's doing things the way they optimally would. They're just trying to survive and do the best they can since then you know it's just it's not an excuse anymore right so now we need to have effective digital management even if you're in on site because you have hybrid work and you have you know more work is digital period so those two things have led to uh, a big investment in the marketplace in digital management employee experience for management employee management experiences and you've seen some really interesting innovation there right Um, i mentioned viva goals um earlier right uh you know you can use that for copilot and it gives you access to goals by using copilot helps you build goals uh things like that access the platform more but there's actually a lot of other stuff too right so if we take a, a simple example um ai is really accelerating this because what it does remember is it gives you access to skills you don't have so one of the very common use cases that you'll play with yourself when you eventually uh, use it in your own work is you'll probably say like hey what happened yesterday with this customer yeah or well, what happened yesterday you know uh, with, you know, with uh, um, Jude's work. You know, Jude is someone I work with. I want to know what, what's, what's Jude been up to. And I tell me like last week, and so this is stuff I could go look up. I could go look up a SharePoint and find out like what activities have they updated, what documents have they changed, because I have access to these things, right? It's just uh, no one looks at those, those uh, analytics, right? Um, so we have all this data, and now Copilot makes it extremely accessible. It gives us that superpower of rationalizing over that. And so it'll summarize, you know, um, Jude updated these documents, made these changes. Here's some emails that are you know pretty topical uh, with Jude that are important. So it helps me summarize that. And a good manager is going to look at that and go, great, now I don't have to have a, what I call a low-value collaboration meeting with Jude. Because a low-value collaboration meeting is transactional. It's me saying, hey, Jude, where, where are we with these things, right? It's me getting information from Jude, but Jude's not really getting much from me, right? And opposite. Sometimes Jude needs the same thing. You know, What's going on with these announcements? It's the same thing. If we can make it so that we can help each other through AI agents, where that can be the low value somewhat to offset the low value collaboration, that gives us more time for high value collaboration. Now in the high value collaboration, I'm more informed. So I can say things like, hey, you know, Jude, I think you did this, right? Because I saw this uh, document check and she's like, yeah, I worked on that. It's like, hey, I, I think there's more of that work coming. How can i help you be more prepared for that what can i do to you know help with capacity whatever right so now we're having this really great proactive management discussion right which is a better experience for jude it's better experience for me but it's only possible with ai because without it there's that tax i have to pay in catching up and communication overhead and things like that and so what we're seeing is you know in this post-generative ai era between the innovations we've seen with, like um, you know, Microsoft uh, Goals, Aviva insights, uh, Viva Insights, a lot of these Viva portfolio capabilities, Viva Pulse, etc., fit under this. They improve the way we manage, get insights, feedback, direct signals, indirect signals, learn about how we're working. And then when you use AI, instead of this being really untractable, very hard to figure out, it can really predict and guide you know us to improve. And that um, you know we're still the pilot but that really changes the dynamic and uh, I've never been as bullish or as excited as I I have been about um, the way management will change over the years than with AI, because, you know, here's the other thing, you know, the best scenarios when we use facts and data, right? Data over dogma. And the reality is these AI systems are all about data, right? Um, They're about making it more accessible, more visible, you know, uh, easier to understand. And so I'm, I'm finding even people, who I've struggled with years to try and educate, they'll use um, in a meeting. They'll use their copilot because each of us have our own copilot. They'll say, you know, um, are there any unresolved questions about X? Or they'll say, how do people feel about this? And it'll in, it'll interpret based on the language and words and you know the transcript of what people said. And someday maybe even other uh, input, it'll say like, hey, here's what I have observed right from this. And again, it's not like I don't have access to that data. I just don't have time or maybe the skills, right, uh, to do psychoprofiling and other things, like to figure out, like, you know, is this the right way to frame things? And it could be incorrect. I'm still a pilot, but it's so valuable because it gives me data and insights I didn't have before that can, again, just in, empower new scenarios, right, new ways that I can manage or work with people. So, yeah, I, I'm really bullish on management, and I think um, AI is is absolutely going to be a force for good there. Um, and because I'm confident that the privacy pattern has been solved a little bit, like we have had Viva Insights now, what's called Workplace Analytics. This is like, um, you know, how many hours you spend after hours uh, yeah. on unscheduled yeah. calls versus scheduled ones, um, you know, all that type of data. Uh, what they do is they anonymize it by population groups and, uh, there's a bunch of other stuff they do as well. So it's actually really secure and private where you can't determine who did what and like when they did it it's literally impossible we have been trying to do it for years i um, mm-hmm. trying to break it uh there's no way we've been able to do it and that same pattern works for pulse which is these like diversity inclusion surveys or employee engagement surveys same thing where you can you can only do it if you have a certain number of people that you can survey where they can guarantee they can create fake data and they put it in it doesn't change the, the percentage doesn't change the average but you can't actually tell who said what because it's it just mixes the data up, right? And so there's these things that you do now that truly are like private, truly are confidential, while also giving us data. And I think that um, that's a really powerful combination, uh, you know, and, and should be used. I'm sure people will make mistakes, of course, but generally uh, should be a really big force for good.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about AI in the same way, and I've made comparisons on this show, and then in in talking with others is when. Uh, business intelligence and business analytics came out, it was kind of scoffed out in the beginning to say like, why do I need graphs and maps and charts and all this stuff to understand my data? Like I know my business kind of a thing. Sure. And so we saw the impact that things like power BI has had on the industry and data warehouses and cleansing your data and um, all of that. And I look at AI or machine learning or whatever you want to call it in the same capacity where, you, we always had analytics in a sense where we could Google or Bing something, and we would we could look for statistics, but those weren't our statistics, right? And yeah. then, then the analytics and the Power BI's came out, and now we have a, a strong grasp on what we've done the last three years or what our MRR is. And and I look at AI the same way. Whereas if you're using ChatGPT um, online or Bing Enterprise, while those are great tools, Copilot offers such a impact because it's your data and you can ask it about to your point where you were saying earlier is what's on what's going on with the mcgregor account or was yeah. the last yep. time we had a touch point or how many deals do we have closing this month and i don't have to bug my team and get them onto a, another meeting right because remote work we have saw such an uptick in meetings um so i i'm excited i'm just as excited as you are Uh, There's another
1: dynamic at play, which is this um, anything to anything, right? Which is what AI also enables. And I think that's understated. So like, of course, in comms, right? You could take a... I want to communicate something to you. I can, you know, do images now with dolly three and other tools, right? Uh, bing, bing chat, bing.com slash create, right? Go try it out for mm-hmm. free. So you can create like awesome imagery and, and uh, content. And of course, write better and do all those things. Is and that dolly three? Is that what that is? Dolly three. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm a big fan of that one. There's a lot of different tools, Midjourney, journey, et cetera, but at the at stable diffusion, but the end of the day, what it's doing is it's anything to anything text to image um, image to video image to text, um, you know, these are all like many to many X to X, right? So or X to Y. So that's the idea of the anything to anything. And we're seeing that in the um, in the AI world, how it changes the way we work, because we have different preferences. And there's different, you know, times where video is better or where text is better <laughs> or an image is better. Yes. And similarly, it also unlocks new scenarios. So my favorite one that I've been running into recently, um, you know, how uh, you have like a website or an internet or something, and you'll you'll have heat maps, and you'll yeah. like track like clicks. So one of the techniques we've done for years is this thing called um, journey mapping. You record a screen session, right, of a user. And then you like look at all these recordings and you figure out like how they spent this long on this section. It took them a while to find this. Like you make a bunch of observations, right? And it's so easy because it's just video. So it's like really easy to make all these intuitive observations. Well, you can take that with uh, say Microsoft Clarity, which is a free product. And you can use, it has Copilot, Microsoft Clarity Copilot, and it can translate that recording into text. So what's Powerful about this is I can have like 200 sessions, which would have been, you know, one of my um, heuristic, you know, UX designers, uh, staff or whatever would work with a customer. They can just convert all that to text. We can use AI to analyze all the text. What are the patterns? Like, where's the problem areas? Where is it working well? What are the key observations? Ask all sorts of natural questions about this because, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds of these recordings now translated into text. And now all of a sudden that's completely unlocked, right? Um, A... A thing that very few people do because it's expensive and whatever now is arguably free because what I'm describing is a free solution and uh, the copilot extraction gets text. The only thing you're paying for is taking the text, putting it into some giant uh, text file or something, and then ins- you know inserting that into your favorite uh, you know AI tool copilot. Um, you know, ChatGPT Premium or something. So when you do that, at that point now, we're able to reconcile, you know, all these journeys and other things and use that data. And I think, you know, what we're finding is um, this anything to anything is such a big enabler because when we transitioned to even to remote work, right, a lot of it was IMs and, you know, <laughs> emails and things that aren't really, like, there's no comparison, you know, being in person and ha- even video, right, it's 2D, it's not the same. But like when you look at, um, you know, Google had uh, Starlink, right? Um, and there's other other examples like this where they have these 3D that like looks like the person's in the room with you. Um, you know, obviously Microsoft has HoloLens and has uh, avatars and we now have mesh immersive rooms for VR. But like when you start to add those things, now you're adding those dimensions that are missing. What makes that really compelling is if I can have the flexibility of whatever format I prefer and then be able to convert that, you know, so that I can meet you in your preferred medium, uh, you know, based on my availability, based on where I am, noise, all other things like that. That's a really big combination that I do think eventually trumps any in-person because Mm -hmm. once you start to have, you know, all these other benefits, then you're not going to feel like you're missing it. And I I've seen it. Obviously we're lucky. We have HoloLens, like most of our staff, um, I've played with them, or we've done work with customers. So I've done like the holoportation, You know, you have the headset on, but it's in this room, and then I can see you right over here, and like you have a sense of presence because I can because I can see you in the room, right? Um, there's a change in the way we rationalize things like the evolution uh, of us. And I think that's kind of where we're going. I'm not saying we're all going to be in the metaverse. Um, I do think AR (laughs) is probably more likely, but the point is like, there's a lot of other related innovation. And I think this anything to anything might be the legacy that we, right now we're all thinking about like, Oh, it's great as an agent and it helps us with skills, but this anything to anything might be one of the biggest changes um, in the way that we work right over a longer period of time.
0: Yeah, I agree 100% with the AR aspect. I I have not been a believer of the metaverse. I'm not I'm not big on it. I I don't know. I it's too cartoony for me. That's not to say that it doesn't change sometime in the future, but right now it's I'm just not a believer in it. AR, however, I mean, AR's been around for a while. So it's nothing like totally new, but even the way that you go to buy something off of Amazon where you're like I wonder what that couch would look like in my room. And I think to your point of remote work is not to nerd out too hard here, but Star Wars, that's what I think of when they're sure. all in the they're all in the circle and they have the hologram version of people where like they're sitting yeah. in the chair and they're looking around. I think that's a real possibility. Like I yeah. don't think that that's so far fetched that no, Not we call it a whole rotation.
1: It. It's been out for a couple of years now. Now it's a bit clunky, but, um, you know, to your point, you know, the AI avatars, like even that the fidelity of it is mm-hmm. a bit off. Um, we've kind of solved that. Uh, it's going to take a while for, for it to all come together, but like, you know, meta and other things, like, like you just take video like this and then it stitches you. So you have a complete like facsimile of it. So I've, I've used the meta, you know, like the mm-hmm. really cool, like, uh, immersion one where it looks like you it's creepy to be honest uh (laughs) not in a bad way just like uncanny valley stuff where uh i was like amazed where i'm like that i have to remind myself kind of like the the google starlink you have to remind yourself like this is they're not there right like everything tells you they're there right um and the, the metaverse equivalent is interesting because um when meta does that it's it's an ai avatar So it can, you can type something and it'll say it in your words with, you know, your facial emotions and like, look like you, but technically you didn't say that that's the anything to anything piece. Right. So, Mm. um, yeah, I think I I do think like, we're, we're going to change our perspective on this stuff mainly because it'll become more ubiquitous. We just won't, you know, until we get like effective vr ar whatever headsets and devices like i know the popular thing right now is those little um you know like a clip-on that you talk to and you know you can you can use kind of like a instead of a phone um so those types of things those are becoming a really dominant trend for um, these new ai use cases for a consumer but um yeah i, I think it will change the way we work um in, uh, in a short amount of time like um give it like five to ten years but i i think you're going to start to see I'm not saying the metaverse but these AI avatars, where we use them in anything to anything context, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just so much easier sometimes where I'm like, I don't want to have lights on my face. I don't, you know, I don't want to have all this stuff. So I just want to be able to mm-hmm. like respond to you, but make it because I do care. My intent is like, I am listening. I'm there with you, but I just want to, you know, have a different uh, mental state, right? So I can still be engaged.
0: Yeah. That's the remote work aspect of, so we have a mandatory policy. We're a full remote organization. Similar to you, we build power apps. I believe that yep. that's, Yeah. So we build power apps, power platform. We've been in this. um, And so our work wherever, that's our company slogan, which hence the work wherever podcast. So we've been fully remote since inception. We had, we did go to the office in like a hybrid model pre COVID for like a little bit, pulled the plug. And then the pandemic happened like four months later. So we just happened to be smarter ahead of the game on that one. But it, it, the, our policy has always been cameras on. Yeah. I'm I'm so amazed at so many organizations that will say, you know, remote work doesn't work, you know, you can't build culture, and but then they jump on a call and they have no video. And you're just basically on like phone calls with each other. And of course you're not getting that connection.
1: I I um I'm lucky. Uh, in that uh, I obviously have a lighting system and I have mm-hmm. a, an OK Is you know, this is on green screen. Right. And I set it up this way. But um, a lot of people don't have that. And so one of the things because um, I talk to union leads um, and uh, public policy people as well, not just like executives. And um, I always have to remind myself, um, you know, when I have I, and I have said some pretty direct things to some leaders that I disagree with their um, philosophy, you know, most of the managers, senior leaders, they live really close to the offices. Right. Yeah. Um. They can afford to live right. in the city close to those offices too. And that was um, the idea not,
0: pre-COVID, right. right? Was totally just around to your life with your business.
1: So why wouldn't you know? So for for them to say, "Hey, everyone, come in to meet," because that's what I recognize. Because that's my um observation how I've lived. You know the the benefits that I have, uh, privilege to say like okay you have to take multiple buses and you need to get to work to come to meet me in that office even though it's you're paying all this extra tax right uh they don't recognize that a lot and i think a lot of the work that we end up doing um when we change truly change like um executive leadership perspectives on remote work some of it is like technical enablement are the possible helping them understand you know hey it's not what you think but another piece to it is literally saying like you know your perspective is not the vast majority of your staff. And so, um, yeah, you you have to understand that other side and sometimes even live it. We've done, like I've taken people and said like, okay, your average staff person's commute is this long. Let's go do that. Like, let's go see what that's like, right? And then when you come to the office, okay, we're gonna have this time together, but it's only like 15 minutes in the day that you spent that time together. The rest of the day, you're just working in your little cubicles or silo spaces, right? what's that experience like? Right. You know, what are all the associated costs? So sometimes like, you know, you really do have to, sometimes it's better pull somebody like us in. right? let's be the bad guy. Let's talk to the executives on your behalf, like not for you, but like to help change the narrative. But um, yeah, definitely don't accept it. Right. I think a lot of times we're like, well, we can't change it. This is just the way the executive believes. I think a lot of times most people are, you know, quite open. We just need to find the right um, avenue for that discussion. And AI captures the imagination of every executive. Like I've mm-hmm. never had a technology in my career where I've had more doors open for executive leadership talks and things like that. It's been amazing. So it's a great opportunity to say things like, hey, you know, um, there's a there's a benefit that you get living close to the office. Um, we need to keep that in mind when we talk about the importance of creating a really great, uh, you know, networking culture and, and all these other things that we do for remote work.
0: Yeah, I, I see a paradigm shift. So we've, we've, we found in our organization with the belief that, so there was the baby boomers who were the, the live to work generation. Like when sure. they, they took great pride in where they worked and what they did and they, how dare you leave a career type of idea, right? You didn't jump around businesses. And then you had the Gen X um, that were more of a work to live like I'm going to work, but so that I can live my life the way that I, I want to do it. And I see the millennial X, um, well, not X, I guess it's the I-Gen or what are they called? Gen Z. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. The Sorry, names, I'm yeah.
0: having a hard time keeping up with those. They change the name, I feel like so often, but yeah, the Z and millennial generation, I've kind of tried to usher in and, you know, who am I? But I've always said that We're going to be the work while living generation where we're going to be able to travel. We're going to be able to work from beaches. We're going to be able to work forever, wherever it is that we want. And I think that there's going to be a paradigm shift in the way that we view the work week. Whereas right now, which the four day work week is a question I get all the time. Whereas how do you fit, you know, 80 hours into four day, you know, in the the four day work week pay period. And you're like, well, that's not the point. The point is production based. Yeah. So it's- yeah,
1: it's a, um, I, I like, I've, I've never been a big fan of like the Gen Z and like other determinations. I always like of season of life, right? So, you know, someone who has young newborn kids um, is in a very different place when someone has kids that are off to college or no kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so fundamentally, right? Like that's, that's the problem, right? Because flexible work is about how do you bring your best self to work and how do you be your most productive at work? that's what the company wants that's what you want right those are aligned and so flexible hours and things like that are critical because you know not everyone has the same schedules like we you know we can't assume that that's the case now responsiveness uh, SLAs there's other things we should encourage. But combine that with flexible work, and all of a sudden, you know, most pro- business problems are well managed, right? And I think the challenge we get is sometimes people just go, "Oh, well, let's enable super flexible work," but they don't have any SLAs, they don't have any like, okay, the, during these these hours for these types of roles, like we need to be responsive, we need to do these things. So you have to you have to combine the right um, rules, you know, based on you know responsibilities, right, that people have. But for sure, it should be tuned. And uh, my favorite example of this. Most recently, um, maybe this is a great thing for food for thought, because I know we've been talk for a while. And I don't know when this will stand. But um, one of the things I've noticed is, you know, when we do uh, job applications, right? So you apply for a job and it's always been a weird process. So internally, one of the techniques we use for employee engagement is you ask an employee, write your dream job, your responsibilities, and what skills you'd use. Mm-hmm. And it's been a technique for years, right? So they do that, and then what ends up happening is, um, now with AI, we can do take that and analyze all the job posts we've had, you know, hundreds of thousands or whatever over the last X years, and we can say, okay, these are the jobs that fit kind of what you're saying, but it's a mix, right? It's never one job, it's like two or three jobs that are kind of the same. And so what's really optimal for that person potentially is they really want a new role that's a combination of these two jobs, right? And it's not like we can't do that as a business, right? Especially nowadays with AI, we can, we can create jobs like that. So the question then becomes like, how do we map people to that? Now, if you take a step back in the marketplace, this is a real thing that's happening. Um, obviously, LinkedIn's playing with it as well. You get this idea of you apply to a job, you tune your resume for that job, but it's not really who you are. You're just augmenting it to try and increase yeah. the chances of you getting that job. What would be so much better is if you just said, this is who I am right? And maybe it's more comprehensive than a resume. This is who I am. And then the other side says, okay, let's figure out where you could fit, where would be the best fit. And then let's give you like job pathways and talk through those. And you tell me, you know, you opt in, I'm interested in these ones. And now you think of the the change that that has on the recruitment process. Think of the change as people come in, the employee engagement, think of revenue, the transfers internally, like how people would transfer from one department to another or role to another. Um, I really think. You know, I'm very bullish on this. I really think the way we think about some categories like jobs uh, could change a lot with in a post generative AI er, er, era once enough time has passed. And so maybe the way we define ourselves is, you know, when I look at my my sons, I have a seven, a five, and a three year old. When they get older, they, they might not even know what like a like what we think of a job application process like. They might not do anything like that in the future. And I, that could be really positive, a little bit closer to gig economy. So there's some risks there, but like. That's a really interesting paradigm. And so, yeah, I think remote works the same thing, right? We're just trying to get the best out of people and we're just trying to find new ways to engage with that.
0: Yeah, I love it. Richard Harbridge, CTO of 2-2-Lead. Two, two That's 2, the number, T-O-Lead. So thanks for coming on, man. I know I've, I've kept you a good bit. It's been a fun conversation. So I appreciate it's the time. Absolute
1: pleasure. Yeah, yeah. We need to do it uh, again.
0: I would love to have you back on. I love yeah, on this stuff. It's That's just like cool.
1: having a chat over a beer. It's the same thing. I, yeah, it's man. great. Absolutely.
0: Well, anything you want to leave us with, how can people get in touch with
1: you? Um, com is an easy one to or just email me Richard at com. But yeah, honestly, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I'm really friendly. I like one-on-one conversations. It's one of my favorite things, like uh, things like this. Are uh, a nice like interrupt for my flow because I'm working on roadmaps and strategy and this and that. So it's a nice way to be like, oh, cool. I get to just learn and listen, and talk and share. And um, it just really is a, a bright light in every week. So um, please reach out. You know, I'd love to have a conversation with what's up with you. Maybe there's a way I can help you with your organization. Maybe I can connect you with really smart people like yourself, you know, that, that can solve Power Platform or other needs that they might have. Um, I know we do that as well, but yeah, it's a small world, right? So the more mm. we help each other, the better it'll be.
0: Fantastic. Well, Richard, I appreciate it, buddy. I'm so glad that we ran into each other. It was an absolute pleasure hearing you speak at uh, the Shift Happens Conference, and it's been a pleasure today. So thanks for hanging out, guys. Make sure you check him out. Thanks, Richard. Make sure you guys check him out. Um, Thanks for hanging out. If you guys like the show, we don't run ads. We don't do any of that stuff. So share, like, subscribe, all that fun things. YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all the places you can find us. You can go to goworkforever.com. Take your personality assessment quiz and see how you rank if you're AI readiness. Thanks for hanging out, guys. And until next time, see you. Well, guys, thanks so much for watching and or listening. We have had a great time. Hope you did, too. You can find all of the Work Wherever podcast episodes here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or all of your major streaming platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday. Make sure to follow us at Capital Presence on all social platforms to stay up to date with the things all Work Wherever related. See you next week.